Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Turning a Moment into a Movement. I am Jay Love, and I am your host, and I represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Gerard is my son who was wrongfully incarcerated for a crime that he didn't do, um, innocent. He went to prison, and he served his sentence, and he's home. But because of that journey, it birthed this journey, turning a moment into a movement. And we come here every Friday to talk about injustice, wrongful convictions. And we, we're here to not only inspire, but to engage you in conversation, to um, motivate you to look at what's going on and see where you can utilize your voice at. And that's why we're here. So thank you for joining us. Today, we have a really um, awesome show. I am so excited about our guest. This is our, his second time here with us, and I'm glad that he's here again. But before I introduce attorney David Robinson, I want to bring on um, our panel. So let me bring them in one at a time. Hello, Reverend Tia. Well, hello, Jay Love. Look, I am so excited to be here this evening for turning a moment into a movement. And this moment is, uh, is so special to me because it has really changed my life and allowed me an opportunity to look beyond myself, to look beyond myself, my own situations, my own circumstances, and and to really look at what's happening in our world, what's happening to people, and really take a look at humanity and, and know that I love humanity. I love what God has created. And it gives me an opportunity to, to really express that. And I, I want to say that um, as, a, as an activist, I am not only, you know, of course, the founder of the Choice Zone, where I'm helping people to make choices for their own lives and, and transform from within. Um, in addition to that, I'm a part of the G100 women around the world globally, lifting up women and, um, you know, being a voice for women, uh, along with the Michigan Social Justice Network. Uh, but more than that, I am God's child, just like yes. you are, and just like everyone who connects with us. And what we do is so important because educating and encouraging and motivating people to get their power back and encouraging them so that they know that change not only is possible, it is inevitable Yes, as we make changes within ourselves and in our community and just know that we can have exactly what we want. We just got to know what it is. Yes. Thank you, Reverend Tia. You're right. Thank you. And you drive safe while we're talking. 
I didn't, oh no, girl, I stopped. I'm stopped now. I'm good. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I saw I saw Edward on there, but he somehow he um he vanished. Oh, <laughs> and I see yeah, attorney. It me out. Oh, okay. So we gonna wait for him out. to come back mm-hmm. in, but we also while we're talking, we just want you to know that um, Trisha, she has an event today. Do you know yes. about that, Rabbitia? You know what? I don't have all the particulars. I did see it. Um, and uh, and she just had one not too long ago for the women's prison. Right. Um, and uh, so we're supporting her uh, today as, um, and this is the, the light, yeah, the light vigil. Yeah, um, the light vigil tonight at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Huron Valley Prison exactly. Facility. So if you guys are in the area, uh, if you close by, stop by there and stand in solidarity with them. There was yeah. another um, death at that facility. Mm-hmm. And so we want to stand in solidarity with the women inside that facility and also mm-hmm. support Trisha, uh, Shawana with the silent, um, silent cry and all those other ones that's going to be there with them today. Exactly. And, you know, because um, Trisha has been on the front line along with Shawana for the that women's facility. And of course, we know that that particular facility had more than 60 percent of the COVID cases of Michigan and and the conditions were horrendous there. And so, yeah, if you can um, and even if you can't find out ways to help support the work that's being done on that end for um, Survivor Speak. Exactly. So let's bring in, look who's coming in, Rabbitia. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Edward. Hey, Hey. there's my brother. Hey, good evening. How you guys doing? (laughs) Wonderful. We're doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm trying to take and knock... um, two things off my bucket list. I'm here at the um, social work, the University of Michigan. Uh, the students of um, one um, black um, uh, associations are given, uh, looking at a film in uh, um, James and discussion. So uh, I made a commitment to be here to support Nick um, Buckingham um, of Michigan Liberation. You know, he's president of this student organization where where he's taking and knocking off his master's degree. And um, so I'm here to support him. And um, I'm here also to take and support you guys. And again, my name is Edward Sanders. I'm a former juvenile lifer without parole. I've been home now for about four years. Um, within that time, I also graduated from this school. So I'm alumni here at the University of Michigan School of um, Social Work. And I am um, advocating around um, this um, mass incarceration, whether we're talking about juvenile lifers, um, or or late adolescents, or or, or we're talking about any other form of um, incarceration, whether it's in the county jail, uh, pretrial detention, to um, the state penitentiary. It all matters to us. Um, there's elections that are coming up that involves the sheriff race. And um, I believe that we should be concerned about that. Um, we have pretrial detainees that are generally in worse conditions than those who are actually convicted. 
Um, county jails are notorious uh, taking and being worse, a worse space and an environment for a person that's being detained. And we have to remember that people who go into county jail versus those who go into prisons are considered to be innocent and to proven guilty. But you can create an environment where you give the impression to those who are trying their case, their fact finders, you can give them the impression that the person is actually guilty while they are actually standing pre-trial. Those concerns should concern those of us who are advocating about justice. We shouldn't just simply allow just anyone become elected to those office and then take and simply protest about them uh, after they get in office. We should take and put our voices in the Serena before the fact. And um, thank you very much. I'm here. I understand that there's a um, an attorney and um, former Detroit police officer that will be joining us today. And I'm very excited to take and listen to his spiel. Um, I believe this is very relevant to take and um, have um, these conversations with law enforcement officers or former law enforcement officers. They are welcome in this space. We are welcoming the take and have um, um, discourse with them, the take and have conversation. We have to move beyond this that just because someone have a position um, different than yours, that they hate you, that everyone that has a different position than um, um, people in law enforcement means that they hate you. Well, we can take that position and say, because you have a different position than ours, that you are anti, um, anti-civil rights. I don't believe that. I don't believe that anyone that's on a uniform is anti human rights or anti-civil rights. And we are not anti-police. We are anti this BS that's going on, the, the bad treatment. That's what we are anti about. That's what we want to get right and right. Um, Trish was right to take and correct me. The last time we was on this show, it ain't just a few. It ain't just a damn few. We wouldn't be on here um, these many times if it was a few. It's the tree, it's not the damn fruit on the tree. It's the damn tree and it's something wrong with the damn root and we need to have this conversation. We wanna save you from taking and doing your damn job so damn horrific and causing so much damn harm. What's wrong with that? Let's have a conversation. You're a man, man up. You're men and women that are in this profession. Quit whining. Man up beside this damn conversation. Put down your gun, put down your handcuffs, sit your ass in the chair and quit name calling. Let's do this. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Hi, Attorney Hugo Matt. Much love and respect. Um, once again, time and circumstances don't have me on with the rest of y'all, but I'm here. I'm here. So, you know, <laughs> for, for the duration, uh, proud to be here. Jay Love. Uh, you touched my heart this morning with Sam. You really did. You really did. You know, and you know, you know, I'm a little bit ticked off though, Jay Love, because Why? one of the things you had said, do we have any more callers? Now, I don't know who Vincent is or whatever that is. I got nothing against the brother, but damn, he long-winded. That man talked so long, he cut my time off. So I wanted to get on there. And then Sam, all them commercials, they got, you know, have you noticed the show has gotten so popular instead of like having three commercials like in an hour or whatever it is they don't stepped it up to four you know um yeah. i'm trying to look at him like al sharpton i tried this <laughs> al sharpton at one o'clock i can't listen about but to one to 103. Oh, we'll be back in a minute after this break you know with right. so <laughs> but i guess that's the price of fame whatever you know uh 
you know, uh, Mr. Adair making money and said, look, people listen to Sam. I got to put these commercials out here, you know. So but anyway, it, I wanted to tell Sam with him, you know, I was so proud to see what he did, because the only way change is going to come is if people who have been on the downside of this criminal justice system stand up and have their voices heard, whether that's mm -hmm. in programs or running for office, something I know quite specifically about, you know, to be able to stand up and offer your services and hopefully be an example for others to keep going, to keep on moving. To get but, but, but what I wanted to say uh, briefly, J-Love, is uh, we got to be accountable for ourselves. And I hope we have a chance to talk about this today. You know, in 2018, Black people went to the polls in droves, droves, in support of the state initiative for recreational marijuana, okay? In droves, droves, okay? So now, you know, we got recreational marijuana, um, and marijuana is still a Schedule One controlled substance, I might add, which means it's highly addictive and dangerous. But in any event, we, we did that, but I want us to have that same drive when it comes to the, to the Good Time Initiative. You know, because rather than just liberating us to sit on a porch and get high, okay, this initiative is going to liberate us from being in prison without hope. So I hope we get a chance to, to talk about that because that all plays a part in, in, in the criminal justice system, people getting excessive basketball score uh, sentences, and then no hope of good time or disciplinary credit. So uh that 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 destroys hope so uh thank you for helping us push this and uh we're doing everything we can i'm, I'm so looking forward to the attorney coming on because uh there's certainly some uh insights i'd like to add to to to, to his commentary so uh i'm here and i'm glad to see my brother baraka there because you know <laughs> all trouble may start on woodward boulevard but it will end on mac street so you know <laughs> keep all that in mind hmaclaw.com is your hookup. God bless yes. you. Yes. Thank you, attorney. You go, Mac. Hello, Allie. My bad. Trying to unmute. <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? How are you today? I'm doing good. It's been a long day, but I'm doing good. Yes, I know. That's right. I want to uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yes. Um, I am Alexandria, community activist and organizer part of many, many movements. <laughs> um, right. So I will save that, uh, but uh, I'll save all the um, partnered with. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to be talking about this topic. Um, I saw, uh, you know, accountability, community accountability and healing. And for me, when I think of that, all those things go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, healing, you know, we want to heal um, after holding those accountable because the goal is to move towards something better for all of us. Um, yes. Not just some, not just selective humanity, but humanity for all. Um, yes. So I'm excited about this. I'm so excited as well because everything that's been going on in our um, the last month, year, um, this conversation, I mean, even today with the funeral, is so necessary. So before I bring on our guests, I want to play this. Um, we want to do a poem for one of our unfavorite people, um, who's now the head of the uh, Nixon campaign. He was formerly the attorney general named John Mitchell. Um, Nixon's campaign seems to be out 
you know, getting off on a rather hip foot after his trip to China in the name of peace uh, while they were killing people right across the street, so to speak, in uh, North and South Vietnam. But um, no knock, the law in particular, was allegedly um, <laughs> legislated for black people rather than, you know, for their destruction. And it means simply that authorities and members of uh, the police force no longer have to knock on your door before entering. They can now knock your door down. It's no knock. to me, I must admit, but just for the record, you were talking shit. Long rap about no not being legislated for the people you've always hated in this hellhole that you, we, call home. No knock, the man will say, to keep that man from beating his wife. No knock, the man will say, to protect people from themselves. No knocking head, rocking, into shocking, shooting, cussing, killing, crying, lying, and being white. No knock. No knocked on my brother Fred Hampton, bullet holes all over the place. No knocked on my brother Michael Harrison, jammed a shotgun against his skull. For my protection, who's gonna protect me from you? The likes of you, the nerve of you, to talk that shit face to face, your tomato face, deadpan, your deadpan, deadening another freedom plan. No knocking, head rocking, into shocking, shooting, cussing, killing, crying, lying, and being white. But if you're wise, no knocker, you'll tell your no-knocking lackeys, ha, no knock on my brother's head, no knock on my sister's head, no knock on my brother's head, no knock on my sister's head, and double lock your door, because soon someone may be no-knocking, ha, ha, for you, no knock, to be slipped into John Mitchell's suggestion box. 1972, guys. 2022, we're talking about it. I'm going to bring on the guest right now, Attorney Dave Robinson. Hi, Attorney Dave Robinson. Hey, love, love, how are you? How's everybody today? It's wonderful. We're great. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm going to be better tomorrow because it's my 70 degrees, I understand. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's going to be closer to 80. <laughs> well, I, I hope you're right. <laughs> So we uh, just played No Knock, um, and it's 1972 when um, Gil uh, Scott Heron did that poem, and now it's 2022, and we're still talking about No Knock. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to get your take on that. <laughs> no Knock. Yeah. I mean, like, no knock warrants? Yes. Um, you know, interesting because uh, uh, regardless of the law of no knock, if they were supposed to knock, they never knocked anyway. <laughs> so, you know, uh, at least for the years that I was a police officer, when I went on raids, it was always no knock. Or it was knock the door down and then knock. So, uh, it's and we still having a conversation today when we talk about uh, Amir Locke, um, what just recently happened there in Minneapolis and all over the United States, Brianna Taylor. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're still um, 
having people die. I mean, even today with Patrick uh, Lyona's funeral um, execution by police, um, we're we're still having these police um, behavior um, issue misconduct issues, and so we need to talk about like how do we advocate for um, police accountability. You know, um, exactly doing what it is that you're doing, it keeps the focus on it without a doubt, because if you weren't doing it, um, uh, it is never going to bring be brought to the attention. You, you, you're fighting a force, you know, that uh, is almost formidable. formidable. So it's formidable because uh, how the courts and the judicial decisions have supported and further the immunities, you know, for police officers. It only has gotten better for them, but at the same time, uh, they keep screwing up. They keep violating constitutional rights, but the courts continue to throw them a rope and make um, uh, laws and, and, and de decisions that support their misbehavior. If we look at uh, Patrick's case, I mean, again, there's a video. Without the video, just like without with George Floyd, there wouldn't be any question of uh, any sanction uh, uh, against this officer, nor against Derek Chauvin. So that's one thing that you know has sort of turned the tide. But every video that we see, there's another video that doesn't exist, mm -hmm. and there's never going to be any accountability or any uh, justice. Still, there's going to be the proponents, the poli police. Uh, proponents that are going to attempt to justify what uh, this officer did to Patrick, uh, despite the video. Uh, but I think they're going to have a difficult time under the circumstances. Um, you know, I represent uh, the uh, mother of a, a young lad in the city of Detroit last year. Last year, uh, who was shot in the back four times by a police officer. You probably heard about the drag racing event. Uh, August last year at uh, East Grand Boulevard and Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Again, we're going to be asking for disclosure. It's kind of funny because in the course of the lawsuit, I, I, I received uh, a uh, doctored <laughs> uh, video um, from the police department. And even this doctored video, you know, shows exactly what it is that happened as this young man is running away from the cops. Uh, not knowing furthermore that it's a cop, it's a drag racing incident and the cops are trying to blend in and so they're uh, in unmarked car and undercover. Um, he's shooting. He lost it. The terminal shot is like some hundred feet away and um, into a crowd. Um, nobody's hearing about that. Right. Uh, and the chief of police, Chief White, attempted to justify uh, the officer's actions by saying that um, uh, the gentleman, my client, wouldn't put the gun down. Well, if you wouldn't put the gun down and he shoots him, then uh, all the bullet holes ought to be to the front. <laughs> all these bullet holes are to the back. So the chief doesn't want to talk about that, but we're going to make him talk about it, you know. Exactly. So Yeah, I heard about that case. Mm -hmm. So it's this type of... Um, uh, cover up. Uh, there are no 
uh, coincidences, there are only cover-ups as far as I'm concerned. And it starts with the chief on down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, the chief would have known literally at the time that he made the, uh, or shortly thereafter made the public statement where the bullet holes were. And he certainly knows today. And uh, again, uh, no disclosure, no honesty, all cover up trying to protect this police officer. Uh, didn't want to identify his name. I got my own sources. I got his name um, and his partner. So we're going after him. We're going to make him accountable. We're going to hold him, uh, hold him accountable. And that's what it is that um, uh, we, you know, as advocates for change have to do, you know, and we all have our individual roles uh, to play, you know? Yeah. Uh, racing shouldn't be a death sentence. Uh, having a, a traffic encounter shouldn't be a death sentence. Um, but we see daily that these things are a death sentence, but more often to people of color, you know? And I have some video that I'm going to show, you know, throughout our conversations of people who are not of color that walk away from encounters, but, you know, and do way more than run <laughs> and, and, and lead with their life. And we lead with a bullet in the back of our heads. Right. Yeah. Or four bullets in the back. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, it's, uh, it's a sad situation, but uh, I mean, it's America. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, you know, and I think about uh, who's most impacted by policing. Um, I think about like the most common encounter with police is during traffic, right? So it is driving. That's our our most common encounter with law enforcement, just it just in general. Um, so I think of what we can do to change it, and it's starting there. Um, if we can stop, you know, some of those things that they do. So like pretextual um, traffic stops. So pulling people over for things like a headlight being out, um, faulty equipment, um, vehicle situations or the plate violations. If we could get away from um, policing people for those things, we could see those numbers go down. A majority of, of the tickets are for those things, like an overwhelming amount. And it happens to be black people um, out of everybody majority. Um, so I think it starts with, you know, getting away from that and um, start giving people what they could like just different things to, to go and get that fixed. And other times other cities are giving out vouchers for things like that to go get it fixed versus a ticket or a fine. Um, so, yeah, it's just time to get away from that. I know Michigan Liberation did um, things last summer where they replaced headlights and brake lights and different things that, you know, uh, that would warrant a police stop. Mm -hmm. So different. um, And a lot of people were there to get those things replaced. So that's a whole conversation when you're talking about in certain communities where these things are happening. Yeah, that money, yeah. get money for it. it comes, you don't, then you don't. What I'm vulnerable to being policed and put into a cycle that could lead to incarceration. That's not fair. Right. Yeah, I mean, there was absolutely no excuse um, 
for that officer to get involved in the fashion that he did with Patrick. He had every opportunity uh, to let him go because um, he knew who he was or could find out. It just—it was just a traffic stop. That's no point. And any police department uh, <coughs> uh, administrator could overnight uh, order that there not be any more traffic stops for simple stuff. They could bring it to an end if they wanted to. So, you know, that is a simple solution, but it doesn't appear to be simple to any police because they want to, you know, manhandle people and want to be in control. That's the bottom line. But I watched... Oh, um, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> yeah. I just I want to say this. One thing, mm -hmm, Robert. Go ahead. I watched where um, there was a thing with the governor on, and I heard, like, um, uh, the Wayne County prosecutor when she was saying that about, you know, traffic stops and there could be a dead body in the trunk and all of this stuff. And, you know, all these narratives that they pull up to reasons why they want to continue to do these things where it is causing the lives of so many unnecessarily. I mean, how many of these traffic stops are you finding dead bodies in the trunk? And that's exactly it. How many, how many, that's the, that's a, the exact point. And to make go to that make believe extent, it could be, it could be, what if? You know, it shouldn't be what if, it's what do you know at the time? That should right. be the justification for any action that you take. And what can you know at the time? Again, the passenger wasn't running. The passenger was in the car. The car exactly. was there. The car had DNA, fingerprints, and everything else. He could have found out anything he wanted to know about Patrick. He did not have to do that. And a chief of police, I guarantee you, they could put an end to it, but they refused to do so. It's 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 that simple. Cops are uh, a paramilitary organization, and they take orders. And a chief of police can order that stuff to stop. And overnight, I guarantee you, it would make change. Exactly. Go ahead, Rabbitia. Oh, I just want to say thank you, Attorney Robinson and Ali. I, you know what, what you said was so important because it is a thing. Do you want to? Right. What is it that you really want to do? And the the problem is that poverty is criminalized, and that's the thing. Poverty is criminalized. I sat one day in a predominantly Caucasian area in a courtroom and was shocked that most of the people coming in for the cases were African-Americans. And they didn't even live in the area. And so that's when I really felt and felt that for myself in the courtroom, how systemic it is. And when I say systemic, and I will always preface this because I want people to get out of their minds that it's some type of system outside of the people. But the system is a mindset within certain individuals who believe or to me who suffer from such low self-esteem that they have to create some kind of self-induced power from their own selves in order to feel better about themselves. And so they kill other others or they they make other people seem like they are less than themselves. Yeah. Attorney Hickel, Matt. Well, 
part of the big, big problem is the short-term memory of citizens, okay? A short-term memory, okay? And the the problem is, just like with the Tea Party and, uh, you know, the, the neocons now, the ultra-conservatives, they don't have short memories, all right? They, they've got passion, okay? And, and a lot of that passion is rooted in systemic racism of, of the nation. Because remember, I said last time, you were asking a question, Jay Love, a very profound question. And my answer was last time, as long as I feel I'm better than you, it doesn't matter if it's 100 people in line, okay? And I'm the 99th person in line to get a check. As long as I can look back and see that I'm ahead of you, I feel good. And so that's what's happened uh, to the majority culture and and us, because the majority culture has always, from the history of this nation, been made to feel we don't care if you're a dirt farmer, we don't care if you ain't got no clothes, we don't care if you're in the Great Depression, you're not black. Feel good about yourself, and that's right. And we've been made and allowed to feel good about ourselves and looking down. See, part of the problem we have in, in this country as black people, it's not just a matter of race, it's a matter of class, okay? And I think it's high time black people realize amongst ourselves we have a class problem. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. <coughs> and so part of the problem is with the quote unquote upper class, uh, like Malcolm would talk about the field Negroes and the house Negroes, the, the, uh, the upper class thinking, you know, I've got uh, a wood floor in, in my shack. You know, you got a dirt floor. You know, you know, the master give me the clothes right off his back, but you get the clothes right off my back. So, you know, so I'm, I'm somehow higher up than you and I have a problem pushing you down. So what I'm saying is, is that part of the problem is us. It, it really is us. And as long as we have that classism, we'll let a George Floyd, you know, go by. We'll let this, this young man in Grand Rapids go by with the excuse of he hadn't been doing something wrong. You know, if he didn't run, uh, he wouldn't be in this spot. You know, uh, people that run from the police are guilty and criminalistic. We say that until it happens to us, mm -hmm. you know, or or somebody or somebody we love. So, you know, I'm going to keep beating this drum, J-Love, on <laughs> us being accountable for ourselves, you know. And, and when we start loving ourselves, it'll be harder for other people to hate us. Yeah. Ooh, can I can I just chime in real Go ahead. Quick? I was waiting <laughs> on you. Because <laughs> you know, he, he was tapping on something. I, I ain't gonna go to that because I could go on. I could go on. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, so when I think about us uh holding accountability for ourselves, just accountability and its entirety, not not just for policing, I think about um, the culture as it exists. So, um, you know, I've had, I can't even count how many times I've had um, my, like I, my siblings being pulled over by the police um, it, as black men, um, the number is, is too high. Um, so I think about the, the commonality of people calling the police for people just simply existing. And that has been every reason that it has the police has been police has been called on them at the park, um, at school, um, home driving home from work, being followed. That's what it's been. So we have to change that culture. 
um, of just calling the police because someone's there, because someone's sitting somewhere and because and someone's walking. Um, we have to change each other because we're harming each other and we're hurting each other. Right. Um, that doesn't feel good. Right. Because that increases the trauma. Like, you have to constantly hear that and, and yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I won't go into it because it bothers me, but yeah. But you're right because we're we are said too. I'm gonna call the police. You know, I'm gonna. That's you know, I go well, everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then what happens when they show up? You know, it could be that if you survive the encounter, could be wrongfully convicted. You could be you know over incarcerated. You know, so we have to ourselves you're right have to look at how we're um, how we operate like right, we've been, as well we've been um like you know this have affected us too so there's things that we're doing by, naturally that we don't even realize right and mm -hmm. and we have to know how to fend for ourselves and protect ourselves that's good for people to know sense of community um like having to rely on each other we're the strongest when we are just um where we utilize our people power we are super strong uh, and we have to tap into that. And, and I feel we've gotten away from that a bit. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, can I jump in here real quick? Oh yeah, go ahead. The, um, uh, there's a real fear uh, and a feeling of intimidation that cops wield over uh, us and, and our community. And when we talk about standing up for one another, um, facing that fear is uh, uh, a tremendous a feat for many people. In the cases that I have, <clears throat> I have witnesses <clears throat> that always want to call me and tell me what they saw, but they're not willing to step up front and commit to uh, challenging, you know, the wrongdoer because they're afraid of consequences. So if we include in let's uh, do some self-improvement, um, I think that that is critical because how many times do you have um, not a video uh, of a uh, incident, but you've got a human being that sees the incident you know, um, and really is afraid and intimidated to come forward. Right. And I have lose cases like that. And, you know, it, it's very, very understandable, but irritating at the same time. Exactly. So, uh, and I asked the question, well, what would you do if, um, or, or rather, what would you think if uh, someone, you know, wouldn't come forward uh, on your behalf? Right. So, you know, uh, we have to be each other's keeper. You we know? have to be. <laughs> have to. We got to be the eyes and ears, believe me. Right. Can't you can't be. wait till it happens to you and then you want somebody to run for you and help you. You have to also be looking out for each other. That is our, I mean, that's why we're here. We have to. Support each other, look out for each other, stand up for each other. So, 
and and the other thing is like it's people don't realize but coming forward uh is a, is 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 a way to protect yourself anyway because now you create you know pressure on somebody um that would go against you but they don't realize that mm-hmm. it's super frustrating super super frustrating yeah <laughs> So we have to educate our ourselves. Well, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. So we can educate our community. We got to do better. Because um, I saw a video today where there were um, children being detained because someone called the police about a gunshot. And so all these kids who were just at McDonald's were detained by police, 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds. And the mother showed up and really, you know, stood up for those kids but you know these are you know the times we're living in and we have to be um um more vigilant when we're standing out here when we're um standing up even when we're not standing up but for things that could possibly happen you know kids are now being you know put in these spaces and handcuffs you know 10 year olds eight year olds we're seeing it more every day. And so we have to really be um, advocates for each other. Uh-huh. Jay, I wanted to um, just chime in that, you know, what they were saying is so important because the fear is so strong. We've become so afraid of us. We have to ask ourselves, where did this start? Mm-hmm. And that's why the education is so important because division has been the key to conquering people for death for for centuries that is that's the mechanism that that um systems have used if we can divide the people if we can make them feel like they're missing out on something if we can make them feel like you're going to do better if you follow me instead of you know, advocating for community, collaboration, um, togetherness. So we've become so afraid of us because we don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the more you know about yourself, the more you know about your community, the more you know about your own gifts, your talents, your abilities, and the power that you can have within your community, the less power anybody can have over you or over your children and you know what attorney mac was talking about we got to care we do we got to care and i know trisha always says it's a hard thing you got to care about we got to care for our children like nothing else like nobody else we got to love harder you know we got to love more we got to love each other more we got to love our children more Mm-hmm. Because if you detained my child, everybody's going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody will hear me at whatever McDonald's that was. Because you will not do that to my child. Well, you know, then, then again, my children wouldn't be eating at McDonald's. So there you go. Right. <laughs> I would uh... <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Ugh. But we have we repeat these narratives because you know we hear the well they should have been out that late. Well they should, you know, just like with Pat, well he shouldn't have ran. 
where he shouldn't, you know, if he would have ran, he would, even today on a live feed for the funeral, you know, people were putting that in the live feed. Oh, if, if he uh -huh. didn't run, uh -huh. he wouldn't be dead. Right. We wouldn't be watching this. Right. And we also repeat those narratives. Yeah. It's not true. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead, Tony Hugo, Matt. Um, can, can, can I just add this? Back to the class warfare situation. You know, I monitor conservative media and, and, and stations. And what's happening now, unfortunately, like, like with, the, with the border situation now, what what they're doing is they've got like Hispanics uh, that they're calling now or, or, or gathering now talking about, well, look, we're against illegal immigration. We don't need any more people coming into this country that are trying to get here illegally. And they're they're gathering black people now and using them as front people, you know, front persons, even in terms of, of, of Haitians, you know. And, and, and people coming in saying, look, people, we've got to secure our borders. It's taking, taking our jobs and everything. But it's so interesting. They put these people up front, but nobody talks about the millions of people that come here and overstay their visas from Europe. You mm -hmm. notice we never, ever hear about people who overstay their visas from Europe. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they blend in uh, and, and, and it's not that issue. And, and by the way, I want to say this for anybody who's confused about this, not that anybody on the panel is. When people come to our border seeking asylum, they are not criminals. Our laws allow for people to seek asylum in the United States of America. So the fact that somebody comes up to the border in Mexico and says, I need asylum, that does not make them criminals. That does mm -hmm. not make them criminals. It makes them people seeking asylum. You are not calling people criminals that go from Ukraine to Poland. Th those people aren't criminals. Those people are embraced as refugees, people in desperate need of help. So once again, every time I see a person who looks like me, who stands up and talks about control the borders, clamp down, we're being overrun, it just makes me, makes me sad because that person, oh, uh, Amarosa found that out, by the way, Amarosa found that out. When her utility is over with, you see Donald Trump called her the B word. You see what I'm saying? And I, and I think she got some money in a lawsuit or something recently about he tried to sue her for uh, saying that there was a, a confidentiality agreement and anyway, she won. So all I'm saying is, is that they're using us against us so much. It's the point of making me nauseated now because those front people, that 30 piece of silver really won't go very far. It really won't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, look at Tim Scott, you know. Right. I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's the perfect example right there, you know. Pitiful, pitiful. Really, 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 really pitiful. Uh, Sheila Jackson <clears throat> had sponsored the uh, George Floyd uh, Policing Act, mm -hmm. and uh, Tim Scott was the so-called uh, uh, Senate counterpoint uh, to sponsor a uh, bill by the Senate. And he refused to put uh, uh, any limitations on disqualified immunity. I mean, it's 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 really absolute. I call him a uh, wide ten grin, wide grin Tim. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so pitiful. 
It really is. And then yeah. Dan Clarence Thomas, you know, wow. same thing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So yeah, we had to stop repeating these narratives. Right. Uh, I want to show some of you guys. Speaking of narratives. Jerry, do what they say. Jerry, do what they say. Jerry, do what they say. Jerry. 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 You're gonna get hurt, Jerry, if you don't stop. You're gonna get a charge, Jerry. Stop, Stop it. Stop it, Jerry. Stop, Jerry. You're gonna get in trouble. Jerry, they're gonna hurt you. Jerry. Jerry, don't do it. Jerry, don't do it. So, Jerry, <laughs> he done beat up the police. Yeah, I mean, talk about a double standard, huh? Right. Yeah. Took that car and left. You're right. Not one time was the gun pulled. Right. Or the taser. Yeah. She pulled oh, out that little stick thing. Oh, right. man. Oh, man. I don't know Bonnie and Clyde had a great grandson. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was daring, like you said. Ain't no shot fired or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no Look, taser, no. Jay Love, I I'm sorry. I got to say this, okay? Growing okay. up in Ann Arbor, a lot of people have a misconception about Ann Arbor. But it's this great city. There, there are parts of it that can be great. But let me tell you, growing up as a black teenager in the in the late sixties and early seventies, I'm gonna tell you right now. If the Ann Arbor police had me in that situation right now, you know what I'm saying? Y'all would still be coming seeing my blood stain up there on, on Maple Road somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's no way in the world I would have been able to get up and drive off in a police car. In a police car, okay? You know? It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. But when you repeat, but all day, you know, at this funeral, people were saying, well, you shouldn't have resisted. He shouldn't have ran. He shouldn't have. Jerry did. Ooh. Jerry did. 
I call those trolls. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like um, it, it's again, it's 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 so naive uh, on uh, these people's part to always want to put the blame on you know the guy that the police is interacting with, as opposed to putting the blame you know on the police officer. That's right. That's you right. know, if you look at you know, for instance, you know, just think about this for one quick second, Michael Brown and in Cleveland with that uh, Darren Wilson. Uh, there, Michael Brown is walking in the middle of the street, okay, with his friend. Mm -hmm. and here it goes to this eyewitness thing that I'm talking about, right? Because his friend was the eyewitness. His friend was the video because he saw exactly what happened. Um, the, Darren Wilson is this racist white police officer that has an inability, if he was in his own neighborhood, his white neighborhood, and saw a white kid with his white friend walking down the middle of the street, it wouldn't have been a problem. Mm -hmm. But he's in this uh, black community, and he sees uh, Michael Brown walking in the middle of the street. So now he's got to take law enforcement you know, responsibility and make Michael get on the sidewalk mm -hmm. without again the ability to consider you know humanity the, the ability to consider the fact that michael brown that's his neighborhood michael brown uh it, it that that's his street okay mm -hmm. and that is the way in which michael brown wants to um see uh the ownership of the little stuff that he has left on the planet the fact that i can walk down the street and this white cop cannot have the sensibility to even appreciate that. And he wants to enforce the law to the point where it's not even uh, a, a, a crime for all intents and purposes. The best it would be a ticket and it results in a death. Well, this Jerry or whatever guy's name that you just saw, he's not going to be presumed to have a body in the trunk. He's going to be presumed to, well, at best, he's just drunk. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So this the 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 this the thing is so skewed up and again i still say that police are um they take orders and of course a bad personality is a bad personality well they would have known about the the uh the decisions and acts and, and conduct of Darren Wilson and any other white police officers because cops are such creatures of habit. I guarantee you, they've done these things before, mm -hmm. but they're ignored. The culture has to change. It can change. It's going to have to have some creative person, some decent human being and decent legislators uh, to make change, but we're not going to see it. The whole thing with Sheila Brown, Sheila Jackson, rather, and her uh, effort to uh, bring about change with regard to qualified immunity. You remember at the time that George Floyd died, um, there were cases in front of the Supreme Court, and there was an opportunity for the Supreme Court to look at qualified immunity. Well, it comes along at in the context now of what happened to George Floyd. George Floyd was so um, uh, such a major and monumental 
uh, set of circumstances that the world had, had seen that it literally, you know, brought chiefs of police to their knees in protests with some of the protesters. All of that's gone now. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court had the opportunity to take it up, but they didn't. Even in the face of that tragedy, these bastards did not take it up. So um, that's where we're, and, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, they say it gets worse before it gets better. Um, but I will say, I am glad I am seeing some things around the country that does give me hope that it will get better. Um, and I say that because I'm just thinking about Maryland and like the police reform or police accountability bills they put forward, and and that's was like a overhaul. Um, and just for context, uh, so they had something called a police bill of rights, um, which they were the first state to have it. And that shielded the police from any accountability at all. And that has been removed and put in a place they put accountability laws there where using de-escalation tactics is mandatory. And if not, that it they can face a criminal sentence. Like there's literally they will like, and I've never seen that be attached to something of this nature. <laughs> That's really usually a hard thing. And even um, independent uh, oversight commissions of any um, wrongful death of any uh, um, any police killing. So there's more they've done too, but the fact that they've taken such a bold stance on a state level, um, really I feel is because of the work that we're doing here. Uh -huh. Yeah, I was reading up on that. You're right, Ali. That they are in Maryland did take a bold stand. But meanwhile, when I was telling you guys about these kids, that was uh, Minnesota again, and one of the kids who um, who were detained, his father was killed by the police. And so you know, that's a repeating a trauma. You know, this kid just getting over his father's death, and now. He's being, you know, detained for something that had nothing to do with them other than they were eating at McDonald's. Go ahead, Rabbitia. Yeah, you know, the, the trauma, and you know, and you people will hear, well, you attract where you're at. And and trauma will will beget more trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and in some aspects, yeah, because people are afraid. And if you're living afraid, and the only way to combat that fear is through education, know how these things started. And we need to stop identifying ourselves and people of color as having a problem. Yes, we want to be accountable to ourselves. Yes, we need to love ourselves. Yes, we need to love our community. Yes, we need to have respect for one another. Yes, we do. Just like every other culture needs to do that. Anybody who is human should be doing this. Mm -hmm. However, we need to also look at, are we crazy? <laughs> I mean, after a while, if trauma can be hereditary, 
can hatred, mm. can discrimination. And is there something mentally stagnant in one's brain making them in some ways retarded towards evolving in a human loving way? Well, <laughs> Gravitea, you said a mouthful. Uh, are we? Because the more, you know, we say love yourself, the more we see more insane stuff happening in our communities and to us. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, um, Attorney Matt. See, from, from my humble perspective, um, we have really got to start addressing mental health in our community. I mean, I mean, uh, that that Jerry um, it, it, it didn't look like a member of the African American community to me. All right, no. but obviously he has got a mental health issue somewhere along the line. Now that might be self-induced with drugs. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure. But what I'm saying is, when you look at him and the allowance made for mental health, because I guarantee you. I mean, from my humble years in the courtroom, when it comes down to it, they're going to say some kind of diminished capacity, uh, uh, you know, mental defect. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what state that was in. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, that that the man simply should not be held accountable for his actions in the full measure of somebody knowing what they're doing, you know, uh, maybe some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder, whatever it is. But I guarantee you, he will be given an allowance, okay, because of the culture he comes from. But see, we are not given that allowance. And furthermore, we are the greatest recipients of the wrong cause. Therefore, the mental illness in our community, I'm sorry, it is much greater than mental illness in other communities. Maybe not American Indians, you know, natives, maybe not them, but next to them. And we have the least resources of dealing with mental health issues. So you put poor neighborhoods, you put food islands, you put polluted air, you put polluted water, you put over-policing, you put substandard housing, you put lead in the environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you wonder why there are these <laughs> mental health issues because we are not equipped to deal with it. We're not. And we're not given a resource to deal with it. So it's an escalating cycle because whether you know it or not, that trend toward policing and keeping people in control, I don't see it abating at all, at mm -hmm. all. And, 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 and when you have uh, like a political party, now I'm not in love with the Democrats. You know, the Democrats give me a headache, but a lot of these Republican candidates offer me a lobotomy. So what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that for me, for me, it's not a matter of good or bad. It's a matter of my own survival and what camp gives me the better chance of survival. Okay. Um, so, so I, when, when a brother attorney was talking about people not st standing up, th that's true. That's true. They're afraid, they're intimidated, they're ignorant, you know, uh, and, and they know that the police or say police will protect you. Not in the neighborhoods where I represent people, they don't. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, you know, you may get a squad car, a patrol car, a sheriff's car driving by, 
you know, once a week. But when they're gone, guess what? It's you're, you're on your own. So wait, oh, go ahead, attorney. Um, yeah, I just was I'll agreeing see. with attorney Mac. Absolutely. All right. So when, when we see Jerry, you know, and everything he was doing, um, immediately we think, oh, Jerry must have a mental problem, you know, because there's no way that he's doing all of this. So we, but when we talk about Patrick, in the beginning, they were saying it could have been a language barrier, you know, maybe it would, but within a few days, that was gone. That whole conversation was gone. All they talk about now is he was trying to take away his taser. Nobody's talking about the barrier because, you know, of his language, because then again, that reflects upon the cop who's the who really is the professional in this situation. Right. Who's supposed to be, you know, we're paying him to do it. We're not paying Patrick for anything. He's right. just a citizen mm -hmm. who probably paid taxes as well as paying a police officer that killed mm -hmm. him. But I'm just saying it went from a language barrier day one to now. You know, all we hear about is he was trying to take away his taser. But I don't even know if that's true because we never really see him with the taser. We see him hitting the, pushing the taser away or hitting the, uh, the taser. But. More importantly, yeah. his back his back was to the cop. Mm -hmm. In order for any police officer to use deadly force, there has to be what is called an imminent threat. Not just any threat, an imminent threat. And it couldn't have been an imminent threat if um, Patrick's back was to the officer. He executed him. He shot him in the head. That was a close contact shot. There cannot be an excuse for that. No. And 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 furthermore, you remember those tasers? You know, you got two barbs. You know, and after that, you know, they're they're you know, you got to do a drive stun. Um, so it, it, and, and furthermore, the, the taser is not going to kill the cop. It's almost as though the cops want to eliminate any risk. Okay. They want to work the job and get the, 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 the glory of the job, but they don't want any risk that goes along with it. They want to guarantee. Exactly. And that, that shouldn't be. Yes. Cannot be. It's not and, fair. And, and can I... Can I say something scaling uh, yeah. into what uh, uh, Brother Council was saying there? You see, and, and he knows from his years as being a police officer. As a police officer, your character is supposed to be above anybody you encounter on the street. You see, because your character is supposed to be one where you are not viewing this as your kingdom. Okay? You know? And if anybody interferes with my kingdom, they're going to be punished. And if that means execution, then 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 that's what that means. So and, and in terms of my own experience, I've seen so many police officers I've had on a witness stand who take any kind of a statement of, well, why are you stopping me? I wouldn't do nothing as a personal affront uh, to their manhood and, and right. some, some rogue women or their, I guess you'd say womanhood, I imagine, whatever. But but I'm just speaking primarily in terms of male cops, okay, <laughs> that I deal with most often. As a direct affront to their manhood, and particularly when it comes to race, that seems to be the flashpoint right there because of the racist history of this nation, okay? And uh, part of the problem that, that I've seen with these officers is, 
is that they have got it in their mind that they've got each other's back no matter what. You see, because, and you know, Brother Counsel can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when a police officer gets on a radio and says, officer needs backup, that's all those other officers here. A fellow officer needs backup, and if there's a, a shots fired or whatever, they come to that situation prepared to kill. Yeah, prepared absolutely. To kill. Right. Because one of their fellow officers is in danger. And I've heard time and time again with the police officers that I've had relationships with throughout throughout the years, they say, look, Mac, I'm going to tell you, man, at the end of the day, I'm going home. Okay. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and, uh -huh. and whatever has to happen, uh, you know, and I've had an officer just be real, share, be real blunt with me. Whatever has to happen on my shift, if it means somebody else don't get to go home, all right, that's just the way it is because I'm going home. So what that man told me, and I, 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 I thanked him for his candor, he's telling me, if I have to shoot you, if I have to hit you in the head, if I have to fudge a police report, whatever it is, I'm going home and I'm not going to get fired. I'm getting my pension. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm getting my pension. So, brother, brother, counsel, can correct me if I'm wrong. That's just my right. experience. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And 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 listen, that's the training. Okay, and in all police departments, it it it's don't miss the point of there could be a body in the trunk. Okay, because literally every police officer sees the glass always as half full and dangerous. It's a, they're trained for that. They're trained to, you know, make it home to their family and their kids at all costs. That's how the training is. But when they go out, when they're white cops working out in the suburbs, it's it's not like a body in the trunk. It's never a body in the trunk. It's never a, a, a gun. It's never drugs. Okay, it is some other imaginary thing. And they only have the negative imagination things, you know, when they're dealing with African-Americans, you know, in, in black cities like Detroit, black cities everywhere, I guarantee it, mm -hmm. you know, or like uh, Reb, you talked about going into the suburban courtrooms and on traffic day, <laughs> you see 900 black folks in there who don't live in Gross Point or don't live in Royal Oak, but right. in that court on Wednesday morning, you're going to see a, a herd of black people who are just passing through, all right, that city, just passing through, and they're targeted. I mean, it's, 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 it's you know, it's America. Yeah, you know what? I was laughing because, yes, it's America, and, and uh, I'm laughing because it has also been an acceptable way of living. And this is what we have accepted for all of these 400 and some odd years, that, that this, this is our lot, mm -hmm. that this is, this is how it has to be. I remember when my children were younger, and I was driving down Jefferson, and I wanted to show them the um, differences once you pass Alter Road down Jefferson and you go from one out of one city to another mm -hmm. and and I was explaining to them that you know how people can come and they can go and they like coming out to Belle Isle and everything we can't go to their their parks we're not going to be able to go in that park well you would you're going to have to pay an extra fee just to go and play in the park in the park there 
And I drove and I said, now we're going to drive and you may see a cop car come just behind me, but it's because of the color of my skin. And they were shocked. Now I knew when the police got behind me that they would run my plate. Mm-hmm. And there was really no reason for them to pull me over whatsoever. And they, they did not pull me over, but they did run the plate. And they were behind me for some time. But my children said, Mom, they're there. They're there. And I knew, I did not know that, that would, it would happen that quickly. I was kind of shocked about that. But what I realized was that many people had driven by that same police officer that day. And even before I drove past him, he decided to get behind me. And I didn't even do anything. And at some point, this way of life, we've got to ask ourselves, does it have to really be like this? Am I accepting something that doesn't have to be? And for me, that answer is, you're right. This does not have to keep doing. We don't have to keep doing this. This not, does not have to keep going from generation to generation to generation. This does not have to be systemic. But it's going to take everybody who is aware, awake about what's going on to get involved, to make decisions, to fire people out of civic duties, and to vote people out of office. It's going to take some of even the police officers. I have close police officers, family members who who are on the side with the police. And that's what hurts hurts me more than anything. And they say the same thing, Jay. Well, he shouldn't have been struggling. Mm And if he was going for the taser, that still is no reason to kill him. He could not. <laughs> he wasn't have... going for the gun. <laughs> Who wants to get shot? Right. He couldn't have used. He didn't have the 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 ability to be a threat. That's the the point that I'm making. Right. He did not have the ability to be a an an imminent threat. You know, any threat is not good enough. Okay. Because a cop will justify, I mean, there are cases, trust me, where, um, <laughs> that I've read uh, uh, and have been uh, uh, affirmed by the these courts that I'm talking about, where a cop asks, you know, a, a driver to get his uh, license, and as the guy's reaching over to the glove box, <laughs> To get his license, he shoots some in the back of the head. He gets away with it, mm-hmm. you know, because the cop said, you know, I fear for my life. Right. Like no magic language and it gets, gets a mom's crazy. Yeah. And literally, there, there are court decisions out there like that. Yeah. Philando Castro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know. You know, um, this is what Reverend Shopton said today earlier. The investigation who put their names out. Let's know that they're charged or convicted. So police cannot have a special way of being dealt with. That's one. Secondly, we're calling on the uh, Justice Department 
to begin a civil rights investigation in this case. We will not leave this to local prosecutors. And we have called National Action Network and I will join with the attorneys in calling on uh, the Justice Department to meet with them and begin this case. We do not have to wait until the local prosecutors make their decision. We had a federal and uh, a state prosecution in George Floyd and got convictions in both. We had a, a both in Ahmad Aubrey and got convictions in both. So the local prosecutor can think that it's all going to end with him. No, it's going to all begin at the same time. We are not going to see this covered up by local authorities. Yeah. So, uh, Reverend Al, he did the eulogy today. And so he said that they're going to call for the Justice Department. I think it's going to be necessary in this case. Especially him, Mississippi, Michigan. <laughs> well, uh, J-Love, can I say this? Yeah, go ahead. I think that what we can expect, we can expect to see the politicization of this. Oh, yeah. You know, we can we can well expect to see that. Now, I'm not sure who the Republican nominee is going to be for for governor. for governor. But but mm -hmm. I would like to get our brother counsel's um, opinion. OK, if in fact it is uh, uh, James Craig, if in fact now he's a veteran police officer, former chief chief of police, uh, ostensibly with many years of experience. But Brother Counsel here has got many years of experience also. So I'm I'm curious, seeing that James Craig is a black man and assuming he is the the uh the the nominee, do you see him siding with forces that say we have to protect our streets at all costs? And yes. um, th this is the criminal element and becoming kind of like the black face for that uh pro-police uh anti-minority community religion. I, I, I really like your opinion on that, Brother Counsel. Yeah, he's already on record uh, with uh, uh, positions such as that. Remember, uh, he's the one that uh, uh, wanted everybody to be armed. Mm -hmm. um, he is an a, a extremely conservative person. I actually know him personally. Um, uh, he uh, admitted to me before anybody knew it that he was a Republican. <laughs> um, he is the poster child, black poster child, you know, for the GOP here in Michigan. So uh, he definitely is uh, going to be pro-conservative, um, pro-police, um, and anti uh uh, African-Americans who struggle with the police. Can, can, J-Love, can I, can I follow up on that just, just Yeah, go ahead. You know, one other thing that's fascinating me, Brother Counsel, which I'm so glad that you, you, you're on here with us today, but I'm also hearing from the people I know in Detroit, there's a lot of Black Detroiters, man, that really are feeling James Craig, man, because his attitude about, I'm going to protect your neighborhood, you know, I'm tired of these people breaking in your houses, 
I'm tired of these cars getting stolen. I'm tired of these women being raped and these drug dealers there. And I, from what I'm hearing, that's resonating a whole lot. And so for me, it's like those people who, who have a legitimate concern about a crime are saying, look, we don't care about that other stuff, man. Mm -hmm. This man is keeping these criminals up away from us. And 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 look, if he's going to do it as police chief, he's damn sure going to do it as governor. So even, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing even with that pro-Trumpian kind of like thing, I see this man getting a whole bunch of votes out of the city of Detroit, which to me could tip the election in his favor. Yeah, I, I personally don't think he stands a snowball's chance in hell in making it, personally. Okay. I understand and I agree with uh, what it is that you're saying, but that's one aspect. I mean, because, again, uh, a lot of folks don't like him. Uh, a lot of black folks don't like him because um, of the things that he's done, the positions that he's taken. He is taking a bite out of crime in his mind, but at what cost is, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. And again, for those folks that we're talking about, uh, you know, you got to become not just a person that goes to the voting box, you got to be a person that goes to the voting box with a purpose and an understanding of what it is and who it is that you're, you're voting for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Craig talks a good game, um, but he's, you know, he, he lacks a certain substance uh, that uh, I think would benefit uh, the people who need most benefiting, despite their belief that, you know, he's going to keep them safe at night. Yeah, he'll keep him safe at night, you know. But he'll keep him safe when he was here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. And, and and let me point something out. And you know, I know I'm taking up a lot of time here. No, go ahead. You um, good. The whole thing uh with the uh uh green light project green light in Detroit and the um facial recognition in the city of Detroit, when it first started, it came in 2016, 2017. Craig was, you know, responsible for all of that. And um, had it not been for uh, advocates like Tawana Petty, um, uh, who understood the shortcomings as it relates to people of color and official uh, recognition, um, there would have been real-time facial uh, recognition uh, that would be surveilling any of us walking in the streets, going into stores, they recruited private businesses to be the agents of the government to look at you. If you're, you know, with your loved ones out at Belle Isle, okay, uh, behind, uh, uh, sitting in the shade underneath a tree, the government could be looking at you, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's the big brother, and he is a was a proponent of that and still is a proponent of that. So when I say it, at what cost, uh, you know, that's what we're comparing it to. It yeah. is an invasion of your privacy. And he didn't sign up for it, furthermore. Right. And it criminalizes everybody. Yes, it, yes, it does. Yes. It, it doesn't, you know, people think, oh, well, it gets the criminal. No, you, it makes you a criminal as well because it's right. looking at you. <laughs> so those, I'm sorry. Those Go folks, ahead that are going to, as uh, Brother Mac indicated, that are going to say, well, uh, you know, as long as he protects me, that's okay. 
they're giving up their privacy in the in in the context of that whole thing of wanting wanting to be protected so somebody doesn't break into my house mm -hmm. okay but that's like inviting the government into your house okay at all times all right <laughs> yeah, I have that's a false that's you know like you were talking about the narratives jay all of these false narratives not knowing real data not really seeing the truth has people so blinded and then it's just lazy thinkers lazy mm -hmm. people are not critically thinking asking for numbers getting real data seeing what is the actuality of what is really happening and then as a society let's what is it that you really want what do you really want to see and finding out you know discover what is happening in other places that is making positive transformation in societies where people can live and thrive and not be afraid, not be afraid of one another. But the fear tactic is growing and growing and that's been the tactic that has been used for centuries, people have got to wake up. There are other avenues. And I know, and that's why I'm so glad about turning a moment into a movement because we will be unleashing and, unreve un and, and revealing these other avenues. Mm -hmm. There are answers and solutions. We don't have to live afraid. We can live as a community, but we've got to get rid of the narratives and we got to start thinking and reading yeah right yep. and looking at the facts right right uh jay yes I, i've got a 7 30 uh call that i have to get all right <laughs> well thank you for joining us um attorney robinson we're gonna have to bring you back because there's so much more i had that i'm gonna talk to you about that i'm looking at the time okay. and i know it's late so, but I really appreciate you jumping on with us. And appreciate all of you as well. And yeah. please keep up the advocacy because that's the only way, you know, that's the way we make change. Yeah. You really Amen. do. Squeaky will. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. God bless you, counsel. Thank you. So, um, you guys, I just wanted to say today has just been a heavy, day with everything that's going on and then with Sam this being his last day as well uh was so bittersweet you know because of him we are here <laughs> and so I wanted to pay pray tribute to him as well and on his journey as being you know running for congress and and for all of those that are you know standing up for justice you know like we say you know it's up to us and that's why we're here every Friday to do our part. So thank you guys. Attorney Hugo, Matt, do you have something else you want to say? Well, <laughs> you know, in terms of Sam Riddle, you know, uh, J-Love, you know, you and I have had some fun on that show, you know. And Sam Riddle, I, I really saw him for the first time when I was running for, for county prosecutor. There was a rally 
at, at U of M's campus, you know what I'm saying? And okay. I saw him, he was standing off to the side and the, the candidates were speaking. I said, I look like Sam Riddle to me, you know? And so he heard what I had to say. And so we ended up talking. And so that's how he and I started, started interfacing together. But, oh, okay. but you know, with him, I really want to pay homage to, to, to Sam Riddle because I'm telling you, it takes qualified black people that have been on the other side of the fence of society to run for these offices. I'm gonna tell you right now, I would love to have a congressman or woman who know what it's like to be on that other side of that fence or, or, or at that defendant's table. I'm, I'm not supporting nobody doing wrong, but I'm just saying that right. life experience, because I promise you this, if these congressmen and women actually had to put their son and daughters on a front line in uh, Iraq or Afghanistan or Ukraine, I guarantee you, you wouldn't see a fraction of United States troops going anywhere if their kids had to be the ones to spill their blood in some back alley in Iraq, okay? Mm -hmm. In Iraq. So, so what I'm saying is the fact that this man has put the time in, has got his stripes, you know, uh, from that lash, and he's willing to stand up and run and 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 try to make things better. You know, I, I, I might move to the district just to vote for Sam. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is, but you know, so I I pay res, respect to him, and but J Love, it's gonna go on, J Love. I mean, you know. Uh, we got us, you know, we're not, we're not going nowhere. We're not going and nowhere. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Hey, look, we'll see Sam again. Sam yeah. Riddle has not seen the last of us and we have not seen the last of him. Right. You know? He'll be here. And, you know, and before he left the air, I was honored to be able to let him know how much I routinely plagiarize him. Right. So for, for all the haters I do talking about, oh, you sound like Sam Riddle saying what the hell. Look, I got, I got something to tell all y'all haters, all your haters. Sam Riddle is a victim of my plagiarism, okay? He's a victim. <laughs> the, the man told me, I'm over it already, Hugo. I'm not worried about it. So if the victim ain't worried about it, you want y'all stop worrying about it, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do that. So, you know, I, I love you, Tia. Reverend Tia, I love you. Jay love I love, I love you. love you. You know, so, so yeah, Sam, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna tip some of this, some of this coke, you know, to Sam. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you know. I'm, that's I'm, I'm my thinking, guy. I, I, I'm GC Cameron. I don't know where the road's gonna lead or what it's gonna lead to. All I know is, well, anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know we got it. We gotta have him on, Jay. I, uh, uh, um, you know, I, I was also in Grand Rapids today. Oh. Um, Oh, my not that? not for that funeral, but for oh. another funeral. Um, yeah. And um, because of the the main funeral that was here in Grand Rapids, the prices of everything kind of went up a bit <laughs> in preparation for the people coming. <laughs> wow! I want to tell you something that I am so grateful to Sam because he's not afraid and because he's going to speak what is in his heart and he's going to tell you the truth. And that's 
is what we need. Yeah. The truth, yeah, it hurts sometimes. The truth hurts. But it's time for us to have truthful conversations and expect transformation. And mm -hmm. I am so confident today that we are not of the world, but we're in it. And that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Yeah. And that we need to renew our minds to the truth, not just biblical truth, but whatever the truth is. That's right. Not be afraid right. of it. That's right. Change the narrative. Yes. When you know truth, you change the narrative. Yes. Fear, false evidence, appearing real. That's right. <laughs> so yeah so thank you guys thank you everyone for joining us today thank you youtube um all those who watch us on youtube and on twitter and later on those who's going to watch us on spotify or listen to us on you know on all the podcast platforms we appreciate you and next week um this person who's going to join us. I met through Sam and on his show, Reverend Ed Pinckney. He's going to be with us next week. And that's going to be uh, an awesome conversation with Reverend Pinckney because he's in Benton Harbor fighting for the, um, they have the lead water problem there. And so he's fighting for the water. And, and I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about the water. And I think you brought it up too today, uh, Tony Hugo, Matt. The water, the chemicals in the air, and all of that is a recipe for disaster for us in our communities. And Absolutely. so we're Absolutely. gonna have um Reverend Ed Pigney on next week. And so again, to learn more about the Gerard's Round for Conviction story, go to www.change.org slash justice to for Gerard. Please sign and share the petition. And we appreciate you all, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Have a great weekend, everyone. All right. And God bless you. All right, God bless Good you. Night. Love you guys too. Good night. Good night.